this week is Parashat Titzaveh, and uh, Parashat Titzaveh is commonly thought of as sort of the second half of the commands regarding the Mishkan, which were Parashat Truma certainly was the beginning of. And that's a little bit misleading on two levels. First of all, Parashat Titzaveh includes a very long description of the Miluim, of the inauguration of the Kohanim, and that's ceremony. And second of all, the description of the Mishkan and its appurtenances, etc., continues uh, into the beginning of, and quite a ways into the beginning, of Parshat Kitisa as well. We're going to actually see that whole landscape. But Parshat Tetzaveh has at the very end this parashah that you're looking at here, which is the last ten psukim of the parsha and the first ten psukim of chapter 30, if that interests you, which is the parsha of Mizbach HaKetoret. And the placement of Mizbach HaKetoret, and I mean that in two ways, is unusual. The physical placement of Mizbach HaKetoret is inside the Kodesh, which leads to the other placement. The placement of the Parsha of Mizbach HaKetoret is odd, because it's here at the, at the end of Parshat Tetzaveh, instead of being in the, in the beginning of Truma, as we would expect. Let's read through the parsha, see what it means, make sure we're clear, and then we'll take a look at the questions, and uh, we'll we'll see how a couple of Rishonim address this problem. So this is after um, after the investiture of the Kohanim, and also after the command regarding the Korban HaTamid, uh, which comes here for a uh, for a different reason than than it does in the more famous uh, instance in Pinchas. So you're to make a mizbeach, which is therefore burning toret. Right, so you're going to make it out of atzei shitim, which is the acacia wood used for just about everything. This is a tiny mizbeach. It is one ama by one ama, two amotai. Mimenu karnotav, and from the mizbeach you fashion its karnot, the horns of the mizbeach. Now you think about it: if you're going to be burning stuff on it, it's made out of wood. You got a problem. But vitzipita oto zahav tahor, you plate it with gold. Et gago vet kirotav, gago means the top, kirotav the walls. Saviv et karnotav, also the karnot, the horns of the mizbeach. Vasita lo zerzav saviv, as we've seen in the case of the shulchan and the kaporet. There will be a little crown going around, also in gold. You make two rings right under the crown. On the two sides. And just like the other Mizbeach, the big Mizbeach outside, Mizbeach HaNachoshet, and just like the Aron, you have staves that will be in there so that you can carry it. And the staves get the same treatment. They're made out of acacia wood, and they're covered with gold. They're not plated with gold. Where are you going to put it? You're going to put it in front of the parochet. The parochet that covers the aron. Where is that parochet? In front of the kaporet. Now, if you think about it, there's a little bit of overkill in these descriptions. The minute that you say that you're going to put it in front of the parochet, then you already know that the parochet is in front of the Aron, 
and the Aron has the kaporet on it, and the kaporet's on top of the edut. It's like a lot of over, over too much information here. Now, this should be already a surprise if you're accustomed to the commands in Parshat Truma. Because in Parshat Truma, we are given commands about how to build the different kelim. Sometimes we're to place that kli, and maybe a little bit of a hint of something that's going to be done with the kli, but that's it. Here you get a full-blown description of what is going to be offered on this kli, which is So Aaron should burn a ktoret samim, and we're going to get the ingredients for it in a little while, uh, every morning. When he cleans out the neirot, he should burn it, which means these two uh, kelim are not only linked in proximity in, where they're, in their space, but also in their avodah. That when the Kohen comes in in the morning to clean out the Nerot, he should also light the Ktoret. Plus, when Aaron lights the Nerot in the afternoon, because you light the Nerot in the late afternoon to burn all night, and then you clean them out in the morning, then you burn the incense again. So the Ktoret will now be Tamid, like the Menorah is a Ner that is Tamid, and the Shochan is Lechem Panim Lefanai. Tamid, and the Mizbeach HaNachoshet outside has a Korban Tamid. Now the Ktoret is a Ktoret Tamid. What's going to make it a Ktoret Tamid? The fact that it's burned up in the morning and then burned up, up meaning not, not consumed, burning upwards in the morning and in the evening. Now, the, so far, this is strange for two reasons. It's strange because it's not with the other kelim. It's presented much, much later than all the other kelim. Second of all, because in the description of how to build the kli is also a description of what's going to be offered on it in detail. There's a third oddity. Lo talu We're not just told what to do, we're told what not to do. By the way, the Aaron doesn't say, and don't put anybody else's luchot in there. And the menorah doesn't say, and don't use any other kind of oil. And the shulchan doesn't say, I don't want any of those crackers. I just want lechem panim. It's just what you do. Here, you can't bring up a foreign ktoret, which may mean a ktoret for another god. It may mean a ktoret that is at a different time. It could be a ktoret offered by a different person. And it could be a torrent of a different mix than the one commanded. The first one's not likely, but in any case, the ola umincha, you also can't offer up any other kind of offering on it. The nesech lotischualav, you also can't pour libations on it. Now, libations would be tempting because it is uh, small, it's accessible, you don't have to stand up, it's too amotal. And because it is inside, you would think, ooh, the nesech, the wine you want to bring inside. Nope, can't bring it inside. The chipera haron al karnotav. This is the fourth strange thing about it. The chipera haron al karnotav achat bashana. We do not hear about this in regards to any of the other kelim of the Mishkan, at least not yet, that Aharon is going to have to be mechaper for the kranot. That's strange. Why? And once a year. 
מדם חטאת הכיפורים אחת בשנה יכפר עליו לדורותיכם. By the way, we've never heard of any of these things. But from the blood of the chatat ha-kippurim, he's going to, once a year, yimachaper, kodesh kodoshim hu l'adonai, chazak chazak v'nitchazek. That's the end of the parsha. Right? The, the, this piece is full of strange things. Now, parenthetically, you might think that the Torah, the Mizbach Torah, is for some reason in some other category, and therefore it's not included with the other kelim at the beginning of Trumah, and so to put you at rest, uh, to put your mind at rest at least, um, in the description of the charge to Betzalel, which is near the end of the commands regarding the Mishkan, we're going to go over the whole thing in a few minutes, you read that, um, All right, that's the, up until there, it's like I've called Betzalel, and I've uh, and I've given him wisdom, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now I've given him a helper, and they're going to do everything I told you, which means eight ohel moed, vet haaron la edut, vet hakaporet asher alav et kol klei haohel. Okay, vet hashulchan vet kelav. Now we're in the kodesh. Vet hamenorah torah et kol kelaha. Vet mizbach haktoret. So you see in this description the. Uh, the Mizbach HaKtoret is included with the other things that are inside. It's not separated out. And then we go outside. Those are the things that are out in the yard. So the the, the, the Mizbach HaKtoret isn't functionally or um, metaphenomenologically in any other way different than the other Kelim. It's listed here together. So why is its presentation in a different place? And why are we told what's going to be done on it? Why are we told what's not going to be done on it? And why are we told that there's a kapara for it once again? It's a very strange thing. So here are the questions. Why is this command omitted from the original series of commands? Of course. Now, by the way, I mentioned this as the teleological blueprint. So one word about Pashat Trumat to be clear, is um, when you build a building or when you design an edifice of any sort, there are two approaches you can take to the sequence of design. Um, and it really kind of depends if you're dealing with the contractor or with the architect. If you're dealing with the architect or the designer, what's the beginning of your conversation? What, what do you first do? You sit down and say, okay, I've just hired you. I've given you $100,000 to help design a building. What, what's the first part of the conversation? What is the first thing he asks you? What you want to build. What's the end result? What? What's the end result? Okay, I'm going to say it a little differently. He's going to ask you, what's its purpose? What's its purpose? Is it a gym? Is it a dining room? Is it a restaurant? Is it a store? Is it a school? And then he'll pride you a little further is it's a school. What do you want to highlight as the most significant part of the school? Then we build out. That's called a teleological blueprint. I mean, I made up the term, but it, that's what we would call it. In other words, it's a blueprint that's based on the goal, the telos of what you're doing. You start with the goal and you build out from there. Now, when you sit with your contractor, that's not the first thing you do. You already know what the telos is. You know what the structure is going to look like because you've designed it. What's the first thing you talk about with your contractor? How to demo the building that's there, how to remove all of the debris, and how to lay the foundation. 
That's called a practical uh, blueprint, a sequential blueprint, where you go in order of what has to actually has to happen, right? So truma is clearly a teleological blueprint. The mishkan doesn't start with the krashim, and with the mishkan, it starts with the aron. Even the mishkan and krashim are out of order, because what do you put on first? The boards, the sockets, or the tent? What's the order that you put set them up? Board, sockets, tent. What do you, what's the order? What do you set up first? Uh, boards and sockets. Okay, good. I would even say sockets and boards. Sockets and boards. Sockets down, then you put the boards in, you put the tent over it. In the meantime, the Torah describes the Mishkan, then the Krachim, then the Adanim, backwards. Because the whole blueprint here is about purpose, not about function. Or should we say purpose, not about uh, the, the actual sequence of building. And that, of course, is the famous Gemara that I put down here uh, from the ninth parak of Brachot. Amar Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Amar Rabbi Yonatan Betzalel, Hashem Chochmato Nikra. Why was Betzalel called Betzalel? Because he was so wise. What does that mean? B'Shash Amar Lo Hakadosh Baruch Hu LeMoshe Lechem Orlo LeBetzalel Aseli Mishkan Aron VeChelim. He told Moshe, "Go tell Betzalel you you're in charge of building." By the way, the implications of this Gemara are, are staggering. But Moshe told Betzalel, okay, go build the Aron, the, menor, the Shulchan, the Menorah, and then the, the structure of the Mishkan. Amarlo, Moshe Rabbeinu, minhago shalolam adam bonet bayit v'chakach machnis tocho kelim. So Betzalel comes back and says, in the world, the way people do it is, they build a house, and then they put furniture inside. You're telling me to build an Aron and then a Mishkan? I'm going to build Kelim. Where do I put them? And that's not really such a question, because you can put them on the side and build the, the tent, but his point is, is bigger than this. Maybe what God told you actually was, build the Mishkan, then build the Aron and Kelim. So what does Moshe say back? Maybe you were hiding out in God's shadow and you understood what he said. So he's betzal el, betzal el. Right? Very nice. But the point that the Gemara is making is actually much deeper than that. Is that Moshe isn't wrong, of course. And the commands in Truma and Tetzaveh are from Moshe's perspective. Because Moshe is, if you will say, in the role of the designer, the architect. Working with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. we start with the goal. The goal is the Aron. We talked about this last week. The goal is the Aron and the space between the Kruvim, where Hashem is going to continually meet with Moshe and give him all the commands. Or ve'et kol Hashem, if you want the vav, and he's going to give him all of the commands and continue commanding him. That's the purpose of the whole thing, and therefore it all revolves around that. You start with the goal. On the other end, Betzalel is the actual builder. He's got to start with building the Mishkan and then building Kelin to put in the Mishkan. Understood. Okay. Very nice. So that's why I refer to it as a teleological or even ideological blueprint. All right. But why is the Ktoret, Mishpacha Ktoret, left out of that? Why is the Associated Worship Act included here? In other words, unlike the Menorah and the Shochan and Aron, they make very little mention of what's going to actually be done with them. Here, there's a whole thing devoted to Aron lighting it and when he's going to light it and when, what else he's going to do at the same time, etc. Right? Also, here at like I said, it points out what you're not supposed to do. Why? Why is that there? 
All right, why is there an annual ceremony of kapara for this? And it's included in the description. Now notice that this is immediately followed by, this is the end of Kirtatavah, so it's immediately followed by a command of the half shekel, then the kior, then the samim for the Mishavah Mishchah, then the samim for the Iktoret, right? Then the Betzalel, then the Yitzvah Shabbat. What, what is this sequence about? It's very strange. So parenthetically, don't think that I'm making this question up. I don't mind making it up, but I didn't. Many have, have, have been bothered, both ancient and well, medieval and modern, by the fact that Mizbach HaKtoret is not included in the regular set of commands. And we'll look at the kind of an outline. And you see the Sforno addresses it. We're going to start with the Ramban. The Ramban says, The Ramban in Source 4. says, The Mizbach HaKtoret is one of the inner kelim. It should be listed with the other ones. In Vayakel, it describes them together. So why is the Mizbach HaKtor first commanded here? After all the Kelim and the structure and the Bigdei Kuna and the ceremony for inaugurating the Kohanim, because at the end of that whole chapter, 29, that describes the Kiddusha Kohanim, it says the Mikdash will become sanctified by my presence, and now once Hashem's presence is manifest, then they're going to make Mizbach HaKtoret L'chvod Hashem. So the, the Torah is therefore L'chvod Hashem. Okay? Uh, and this is part of the secret of the Torah that Hashem gave to Moshe. The Torah stops the Magifa. The Torah is a symbol of the cloud that represents Hashem Shechina, etc. Take a look at the Sforno. A couple hundred years later, has the same problem. Because he says the purpose of all of the other Kelim was to ensure and enable the presence of God among us. Right? It also wasn't to bring God's presence into the house, which is the Korbanot, according to the Sforno. So the same thing as the Ramban. The purpose of the Mizbach HaKtoret was to honor Hashem after he comes. So therefore it's put after all those things are put and after the effect of those things is felt of Hashem's presence now to honor him we have this Mizbach HaKtoret. There may be another way to look at that but to do so we have to look at the whole sequence. Here's the sequence. This is the teleological blueprint. All right, the first, and I'm doing parsha by parsha. The first parsha is truma. Here's what you have to bring, all the different things, and the purpose of it is stated But if you look through the series, and I'm going to go through all of them now, you will see that at different points there is another sub-purpose presented, or maybe alternate purpose presented with those kelim. So the first, next section is three Halim of the Mishkan. One of them is the Aron, which has the Kaporet and the Kruvim. And the purpose there is stated, I'm going to meet with you, Moshe, and can you give commands from between the Kruvim atop the Kaporet. Then there's a Shulchan. 
and the shulchan is not given a purpose, then there's the menorah. The menorah is not given a purpose. Meaning there's no special, unique purpose stated with those. Now, you could make the argument that they are all part of what's going to be inside the Kodesh, and they're part of the Noati Lachasham. Maybe. We got a problem, which is that there's a parochet separating the Aron, etc., from the rest. So we really can't associate the same reason. Okay, we got a Shulchan and a Menorah. Now, we then go to the, and this is following the order, the physical structure of the Mishkan. There are the tent covers, the boards and sockets, again, in that order, the curtains. Then we go to the courtyard, the Mizbach, Mizbach that's outside, the courtyard itself with the curtains and all of that. By the way, no new purpose given in any of those parshiot. Then there's this tupsukim at the beginning of Tetzaveh, which is a command that everybody has to bring oil. Now, what's changed here is two things have changed at the beginning of Tetzaveh with these tupsukim. First of all, in everything that we've seen from Roman numeral two through four, it's all been about, this is what you make, this is how big to make it, this is the materials to use. In the meantime, back in the first paragraph we already had, these are the materials everybody has to donate. Now there's something new, which is everybody should bring pure oil for the menorah. What's the difference between that and Roman numeral one? The answer is very straightforward. Roman numeral one is a one-time deal. Bring the materials, we build a mishkan. Number five is different. You have to bring the menorah on a regular basis. The shemen, zayit, zach, katit, lamaor, on a regular basis. That it's going to be lit all the time. Suddenly we're entering into a new phase of this description. We've gone from the one-time structure and all the things that need to be done to the regular maintenance and avodah that goes on. That then takes us to the big day kuhuna that we have. right? And the big day kuhuna, at a certain point, also give us a purpose. But how are the big day kuhuna different? Why is Numen numeral five in the middle here? Because unlike the other things which are built once and that's it, first of all, begadim wear out. You have to have more begadim. And there's more, the begadim are now, not now site-specific, but person-specific. So you have to have begadim for the different koanim. All right? And so now they're going to, again, there's overview, then there's the ephod, and then when you get to the choshen, there's suddenly a purpose stated, which is Aharon will bring the names of Bnei Yisrael in before Hashem, and then, when we get to the tzitz, Aaron will, will, the tzitz will help effect a kapara for the korbanot, and Avon HaKodashim will be, will be lifted, and the rest of the, of the, uh, of the Gadim. We then get to that very long parsha of Hidush HaKohanim, which now brings everything together. Notice the words that are used at the very end. At the end of that whole long piece, which is uh, Ravi and Hamishi, I think of the uh, and Shishi, of the of the laning, you have, I'm going to meet there. The place will become sanctified. I will rest there. They will know that I am Hashem and took Adam Yitzrayim, and I rest among you. Which means all of the pieces, all of the purposes that have been described before as scattered pieces now all come together with the Kiddush Hakohanim. And then we get to our series, which is Mizbach HaKtoret, to the end of the series. It starts with Mizbach HaKtoret with our questions. 
And then there's a now notice I put a star there because we have a new Diber. Each one of them is by Diber Adonai Moshalimor, Kiti Sadrosh Penisuel, by Diber Adonai Moshalimor, Asita Kior, etc. Every one of these has a Diber. Uh, there's a Machsida Shekel, and there's a purpose there, not to have a Negev. There is the Kior. There's a command it, uh, to bring spices. Again, this is again like the command to bring oil. People are going to on a regular on, on, are going to bring spices, not on a regular basis, a one-time thing for the Shemana Mishcha. Then the components of the incense, which is a regular basis, two stars because it's a slight different thing. It's Vayomer instead of Vaydaber. Then there's Betzalel, and then there is Shabbat. But notice that within this entire section of Roman numeral eight through fourteen, this whole separated section, there's no purpose stated except for there shouldn't be a plague. But there's no purpose stated to all of this. What do all these things have in common? Why are they in the sequence they are? Why are they all put back here? And what's their purpose? So I'd like to suggest that um, if you take a look at it, how many parashiot are there in this section? Meaning, after we finish Kiddush HaKohanim, how many sections do we have? Well, it's easy to count. There's seven. All right. And what's the last one? The last one is Shabbat. Now notice that we have moved out of the Mishkan. Besides the Mizbach HaKtort, we moved out of the Mishkan, donating the half shekel. The Kior is on the outside, donating the Samim, etc. But Salah is going to work on the outside and Shabbat, which is everywhere. We've moved outside of the Mishkan. Notice that everything that's taken place up until now is very inside, very intimate. It's between between Akadosh Baruch Hu and essentially Aharon, Aharon of Anav, perhaps Aharon of Anav, who are going to be lighting the menorah, etc. Where are we now? So now we're in the world of everybody. Everybody gives half a shekel, right? The kior. What's the kior? The kior is Aaron and Banav, and in some cases Moshe, washing their hands and their feet on the way in to do the avodah from the outside. Then there's bringing in things from the outside, and then people on the outside who are building. What's going on? So if you think about it, there is something that is an, an essential conundrum in the Mishkan which is that the Mishkan is this central place, this special structure where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to manifest his presence among Bnei Israel. But the Mishkan is cut off from everybody else. The Mishkan itself has uh, tent covers over all of it. The centerpiece of it has a parochet protecting that. It's all really separated from everybody else. And even the Chatzar has curtains. That's fine, but it's it's a secluded and intimate place. How's everybody else going to connect? How's everybody else going to become part of this? So you could say vicariously, the fact that I donated a little gold and that made it somewhere onto the Shulchan, and the fact that I brought some spices and they're using that in the Shemana Mishcha could be, I did donate a half a shekel and they're using that for the Korbanot, so I'm somehow connected. But I think what this last section is doing is bringing the outside in and connecting it and making a powerful statement about what it is. And I'll get to that at the end, but first I want to address the Mizbach HaKtoret. 
the Mizbach HaKtoret is a representation of Am Yisrael's meeting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What's the cloud of the Torah that has to be lit every morning and every evening? So the way the Ramban explains it in his introduction to Parshat Truma, the cloud of the Torah is the cloud that covers Har Sinai. It's where Am Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu meet. We're not allowed to go inside, but that cloud represents as if we're there. And so therefore, this Kli is a Kli more about bringing us in than about bringing HaKadosh Baruch Hu down. And as a result of that, what do we see in the commands? We see not only to build the Kli, where to put the Kli, that it has to be lit every morning and every evening, Tamid, because the Tmidiyut, the constancy of the presence in the Nishkan, is something that's also part of our presence, not just HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence. And for that reason, we must be careful not to light a Ktorad Zara. Our presence, we have to be very careful to keep it along strict lines, to do it exactly the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded. Not a Ktorad Zara, not a Lana, not a Mincha, not a Nesach, just exactly what he commanded. And because it involves our presence in the Mishkan, it's also going to, by definition, involve errors, mistakes. And therefore, built into the Mizbach HaKtoret is the need to have a yearly expiation ceremony to cleanse it. Because that's what happens. People make mistakes. This is our presence there. And therefore, it's listed at the end, not as a separate Kli, but a Kli that has a whole different function. Now, what's the very last item on the list? The last item on this whole list is Shabbat. And Shabbat, if you think about it, looking at Embrashit, is a great gift HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to the world. He built rest into the world. And yet, a critical line shows up here, which ends up having impact not only halachically, but also phenomenologically on what Shabbat is, and that is, Beni uvein b'nei Yisrael oti le'olam. Shabbat is a private sign between us. That's why we have goy Shabbat chayav mitah. And that's why in our dogma we say, It doesn't belong to them. It only belongs to us. Shabbat is that point of private meeting between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And what I'd like to suggest is this line, Be'inu Ve'inu Yisrael, is really what informs all of these things. All of these things are the private, intimate connection between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and B'nai Yisrael around the Mishkan. This is why when we returned from Bavel and started building the Mikdash, and the Shomronim said, let's participate with you, what did we say to them? Lo lachem v'lanu livnot bayit l'eloheinu. No, no, not your business, it's ours. This is Oti b'nei uvein b'nei Yisrael. This is the private piece. And so all of these parashot, which culminate in Shabbat, loop them into the intimate relationship that those of us on the outside have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and with this great edifice of the Mishkan, which, of course, the purpose of it is to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence into the camp, but also to bring our presence into that intimate connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu along the way.